The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul, when his blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in his precious blood, my sin to atone, and I dawn of heaven breaks, the summer morn I've sighed for, the fair sweet morn awakes. Dark, dark hath been the midnight, but day spring is at hand, and glory, glory dwelleth. In Emmanuel's land, O Christ, He is the fountain, the deep sweet well of love. The streams on earth I've tasted, more deep I'll drink above. There too in ocean fullness. His mercy doth expand, and glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. The bride eyes not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, but on my King of grace, not at the crown he giveth, but on his pierced hand. The Lamb is all the glory of Emmanuel's land. The Lamb is all the glory of What do you speak about on 36th anniversary? What do you speak about? When we first met together, it was two men mainly that had to do with this forming of the body of believers here, Ernie Stewart and Jim McCullum. Uh, they were the two main guys that were driving it. They felt God wanted a church in North Bonita. There was nothing up here. 1980, the bowling alley was across the street. That was it. Four miles south of us was nothing. Four miles north of us was nothing. I'm talking about woods, palmettos, and pine. Nobody had the vision. I mean, nobody could have had the vision. You know, is this thing going to develop? How's it going to develop? Uh, 041, uh, we didn't have any land, just a group of people, no money really. Nobody in the group was rich or had any kind of real money. Uh, we did have a desire to do God's will, and we all had one thing in mind. We wanted to do something God was in. I sure didn't want to be a part of something man did. 
In other words, men can do a lot of things. They can build building, you know, you know, Empire State Building on their own will. And so we didn't want to just do something because a bunch of people got together and said, let's do it. We wanted really God to be here. We wanted God to sanction and to be, if he, if he wanted us to do this, that he would give us some, uh, some I don't even call it a sign or what you want, but just show us that he was here. Uh, over and over, God has confirmed himself with us, just over and over again. Uh, in the first year of existence, we already had been given, we were given this five acres of land. Now, you know what land costs. It was still on 41 even then. And there was a man, uh, Chris Powell and Gene's here this morning. Chris and Gene were moved of God. They were not members of the church, did not attend here. I mean, we didn't meet here. We were meeting in houses. We were meeting in pool cages. We were <laughs> we met in the old Methodist auditorium. We met in the old Church of God auditorium, borrowing places to meet. And it was rough. And we heard on a phone call from Chris, Chris Powell uh, that he had five acres in Old 41, and he said, I, would, I want to give those to you, donate those to you, if you'll do one thing. And what is that? And he said, I want you to make sure you have a Christian school. He was burdened for the youth of our day in the public school system, the way it was going. I went to public school. But public school, when I went, they taught us Psalm 100 by memory. They read the Bible every morning. Our teachers were moral and upright people that wanted to do right. They believed God created the heavens and the earth. They believed the Bible was the word of God. That was the majority of the teachers that I sat under. And it began to, at that time, creep in, of course, the other things that we have today, and you see what we have today. And so we said, well, we want to do a Christian school. So in 1986, Christian school was born, and it started humble, 12 students. I believe Miss Miley had 12 students there, and as God has added to that, we're up to 100. We don't really want to be, we're not trying to be big. We're trying to have quality. And we have 100 wonderful, really, students that want to be there, parents that want them there. And uh, the Christian school, so five acres, and by the time a year had passed, we were in a building we call McKinney Hall. It's just that building in the front. Uh, we already had it built, and uh, God had done that. So it just went on and on and on from there. But we, we, we got together and said, what are we going to call this group? What are you going to call this group? What are you, you going to be? Well, we knew we were Baptists. I mean, you know, we felt John the Baptist. You know, John, everybody heard of John the Baptist. We felt it was good enough for John to be a Baptist. Well, anyway. Um, it's not really the name. We were Baptists by, by belief and by creed. And, by, by, and so we felt we should name it. Calvary Baptist was an idea that came up. Faith Baptist, those are very common names among Baptist churches. And then Beth McCullum mentioned, how about we do something different? We'll just call, how about we call it Gospel Baptist? And the word gospel rang. You could just feel the unity of those 10 people. Uh, uh, Gospel Baptist. Well, we knew of a church in North Carolina called Gospel Light Baptist Church, but they said, no, let's just do Gospel Baptist. Because that says what we're all about, because what we're all about is the gospel. It is the gospel. We looked at each other. It was right. Took a quick vote. And from that point on, it's been Gospel Baptist. Gospel, the gospel. The word gospel is you cannot assume people understand what that word means. Don't assume that. Because they, many of them have not been raised in Sunday school. They've not had a Bible exposure, and they don't know really what the word gospel means. But the gospel is a Christian's, biblically, prime directive. A little Star Trek there for you. 
prime directive. It is our main thing. The word gospel appears in the New Testament some 104 times. Now, anytime, my mother, that's about how many times my mom told me to clean my room up. 104 times. Well, anytime somebody comes and tells you anything 104 times, it puts it into you. So 104 times the word's mentioned in the New Testament. The primary meaning of the word gospel is good news. Buenos nuevos. Good news. And so we have a Spanish church called Iglesia Bautista Buenos Nuevas because we wanted a Spanish church called Gospel Baptist Church. They said we can't do that, preacher, because there's no word in Spanish gospel, but we do have the word good news, which is what gospel means. Boom, I said, well, name it what you want. Iglesia Bautista Buenos Nuevas. That's the only Spanish I know. They're meeting right now over in the other building there. And so there was born... Um, the word good news really does not explain the good news. It just says there's good news that God wants each of us to find out before we die. God has some good news, and if I may even say like Tony the old Tony the Tiger, boy, I'm going back with that. Great news. Great news. It goes by many names in the New Testament. I did a little work on that. It goes by the name of Gospel of the Kingdom. It, it, in Matthew 9.35, it goes by the name of Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in Mark 1.1. 1, 1. It goes by uh, Gospel of the Grace of God in Acts 20, verse 24. It goes by the name of Gospel of God in Romans 1.1. 1, 1. Gospel of His Son in Romans 1.9. Gospel of Christ in Romans 1.16. Gospel of Peace in Romans 10.15. It's called the glorious gospel in 1 Timothy 1.11. It's the everlasting gospel in the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. It was preached by John the Baptist. It was preached by Jesus. Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and liberty to them that are bruised. It's the gospel. It's good news. It's about freedom. It's about liberty. It's about deliverance. From what? From sin. What is the cause of all the trouble on this old planet from one end of the planet to the other? It's sin. Why do people treat each other so horribly? Sin. Why is there such a thing as ISIS? Sin. Why is there murder and rape and pillage and cheating and lying? Why are there con games on the phone to you old folks trying to get you to invest in something that's not really there? Sin. It plagues us from without and it possesses us from within. For you don't have to teach a three-year-old to lie, do you? How old is your child? One? Wow. Haven't maybe quite started speaking yet. Does your child talk? She thinks she does, he said. Yeah, goo goo ga ga. What bothers me is when they say mom before dad. That's what always bothers me. And I, I suppose it shouldn't, though. The apostles and the disciples in the book of Acts. It says in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. When? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. 
and you shall be witnesses unto me. Witnesses of what? The gospel, the good news. And from then until now, the gospel has been the message of the church of Jesus Christ by whatever name they went by. The gospel is worth suffering for. In Mark chapter 8, verse 35 through 37, it says, For whosoever will save his life, these are Jesus' words, shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall find it. Now, losing your life, God does not want you to die for the gospel as much as he wants you to live for the gospel. Amen? I want my wife to be exclusive my wife. I want her to live for me. I don't want her to die for me. I want to live for her. I don't want to, she doesn't, she, I don't think she wants me to die. You know what I'm talking about. God, Jesus Christ and God the Father wants you to, to be willing to give your days, however many they be. The Bible says, teach us the number of our days. How long are you going to live? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But give the number of the days that you may have to him to serve him and to do his will after you come to the gospel. For what does a prophet, a man, Jesus said, if a man gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What, what profit is that? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What is so important about the gospel that Jesus preached about it? It was his last words. Jesus' last words recorded in the Bible is go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's his last words to us. That's why it's our prime directive. That's why it's our name. Is because we want to go tell people about the gospel. You say, Brother Bill, I'm tired of hearing about the gospel. Tell me what it is. Thank you. Take your Bibles if you have them. If you don't, just listen. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans 1, 16 maybe says it as clear as anywhere. Where Paul's speaking, we know the Apostle Paul. God bless his soul. Hard, hard life that old man lived. I mean, he was, Jesus said to him, I'm going to show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Paul did suffer. Maybe of all the people that have been recorded, maybe he suffered the most of anybody that's ever been recorded. There could have been people suffering more than Paul, but we don't know it. And he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God under salvation. How many? To who? To only Baptists? To only certain groups? To, no, no, no. To everyone. To everyone that believeth. Oh, to the Jew first. And also to the Greek. In other words, the gospel first was preached in Jerusalem. That was mostly to Jewish people. Then it went out into the area of Samaria, and that was mixed Jewish and Gentile. And then it, well, that was through Peter. And then through, through eventually through Peter, uh, it went to the, it went to the thing was the 10th chapter of Acts. It went to the Gentiles. And through Peter, God opened in the keys, as it were, of, of heaven. He opened them to the Jews. He opened it to the Jews and Gentiles in Samaria. And then he finally opened it up to the entire world. And whosoever will now may come. And these are good days we're living in, folks. God doesn't have just one little group of people can be saved or just a select group. He says to everyone 
It is the power of God under salvation. If you'll believe, if you'll believe, the gospel is God's way of salvation, of eternal life. It's God's way of having all of your sins forgiven. Now, most of us in this, if I sat down with you one-to-one, we wouldn't argue about whether you were a sinner. If you didn't believe you were a sinner, I'd just ask your wife. She'd have a quick list, a quick list. You know, you got those quick cards. You got a quick list. Well, he's done this and this and this. And that. I mean, it's, it's the way we are. It doesn't take long to amass a whole bunch of wrongs that you've done. You've thought, if you have, Remember, if you haven't done wrong, you've thought wrong. Jesus said, look at a woman lust after her is committing adultery. What man in this room hasn't committed adultery? He said, if you say, if you hate someone, he says, you've already committed murder. You violated a command about knowledge not murder. Because where does hate start? It starts in your heart. Where does adultery start? It starts here. If you sin here where God is looking, you've already done it. I mean, it's a done deal, man. You need to get right with your creator about that. How are you going to do that? Why, the gospel is a way to get your sins forgiven, against, get your sins washed away, cleansed, placed as far as the east is from the west. These are biblical terms, by the way. Buried in the deepest sea, to be remembered no more, and to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. If you, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Revelation, the last book of the Bible, in the 20th chapter and the 15th verse. Here's a verse you ought to write down, you ought to at least make no one or make sure you remember. It says, for whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, you say, are those words credible? If those words aren't credible, there's nothing else in the Bible that's credible. Those are credible, documented, biblical words. They're, about, they're in any Bible you want to go to. They're in the Douay version. They're in the King James Bible. They're in any Bible out there. These are the words. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. I know one thing from that verse. I want my name written in the book of life because I don't want to be cast in the lake of fire. I want my name written in the book of life. The answer the question is, how do I get my name written in the book of life? Believing the gospel. Brother Bill, you've held me at bay all this time not telling me what the gospel is. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Take your Bibles if you want to, if you need to, to John chapter 3, verse 16. Maybe the clearest place in all the Bible where the gospel is defined. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, there it is again, whosoever believeth in him, not in an institution, not in a group, not in a corporation, but a, a person, whosoever believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Man, that's it. Where do you stand with that verse today? Where do you stand with that verse? Well, three quick things I notice about that verse. The first part of it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. What does that tell me? That tells me who God is. For God so loved the world that he gave. That tells me who he is. The character of God is manifest in the first part of John there. It is God is love. Love gives. Make sense? God is love. By the way, he doesn't have love as an attachment. He is love. The Bible says clearly in, in 1 John chapter 4 that God is love. It's who he is. And he acts because who he is, he acts the way he does. 
God loves, and consequently it causes him to give. Oh, I hope you know God loves you. You say, Brother Bill, I've done some terrible things against a lot of humanity and God. Yes, but God still loves you. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's no pre-qualification to, to have your sins forgiven other than you're a sinner and in need of a Savior. What did the law of Moses do and all the Pentateuch and all that? What that did was tell us we were sinners. There's 613 specific commandments listed in the law of Moses. And it just simply lets us know we're sinners, man. You can't read through the book of Leviticus without saying, Woo, I'm in bad shape. I need help. I need some power. I need some help from without to come within and help me. For God so loved the world. I like that it's the world, don't you? I like it's not just he loved white folks or black folks or red folks. Or he loved a particular group of people, particular place. The Bible said he loved the whole world, the whole world. I like a song, red or yellow, black or white. They're all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. One of the big emphasis ministries of Gospel Baptist Church is children, as you can tell by that. Tell by the school. Tell by what we do. We love children because Jesus loves children. And he wants, them to, he wants them to be saved. He wants their sins forgiven as well as our sins forgiven. For God so loved the world that he gave. God loves you. And he gave. God the Father gave his son, Jesus Christ, for a sacrifice. Now, I'm a dad, and I have one son. I have one son. And I can tell you, if I would have been asked to give my son for you, wow, that'd be big. That'd be big. I think of the mothers who birth these boys and they go off to war and they give their sons so we can have the freedom to do this this morning. I don't take that for granted. But this was God. God gave his only begotten son. If there was another way to be saved, now think of the logic of this. If there was another way to be saved, God would have done it. He wouldn't have given his son. He wouldn't have let his son come down here and go through what he went through. And most of you know, many of you have seen the Passion of the Christ that accurately portrayed what Jesus went through. And, and if, you, if you haven't read the Bible, you know from that movie what Christ went through and the, and the, the scourging that he took. Why did he allow him? Why did he allow those folks to spit on him? Why did he allow him to pluck the beard from his head? Why did they allow him to treat him that way? Because he was becoming sin for us. He was taking that wrath that was due us upon himself. Why? Because God's just. He couldn't just, the sin we've committed, he can't just brush off and say, well, it's not a good old boy thing. It had to be paid for. Justice declared and cried that sin must be paid for. And you say, well, I don't know about that. Well, wait till one of your daughters is raped. I'll guarantee you, you'll sit in a court and you're going to want that jury to sentence the man that did that. I've seen it over and over and over. I've seen the most dove of doves, the most, most tender-spirited of people when they had a crime committed against their family sit in that courthouse and say, we want justice. In 
the very heart of heart of people, there's a sense of justice. And God the Father says sin must receive its punishment or I'm not God, but he is. And the, only way that, the only way that he could save us was not by works. Hey, trying to be saved by works is trying to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's trying to somehow undo what you can't undo. And let's say this. If I decided at this very moment I'm, I, am, I am not going to sin again, I'm not going to do anything wrong in my mind. I'm not going to do anything wrong in my heart. I'm not going to do anything wrong exteriorly to anyone else. Uh, let's just say, let's pretend that I could do that. What about 64 years of life? How am I going to undo that? How am I going to undo those things that I've thought wrong and said wrong and done wrong? How can I? You can't undo them. That's why Christ had to come to die. That's why he had to hang on that old rugged cross. That's why he had to really be, really die and really be buried and really resurrected. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was God the Father's seal that this is the real son that I have sent and he is the real Christ because there's a lot of people out there, Jim Jones, David Koresh, and so many others, uh, Muhammad, that have claimed to be the Christ. He said, no, none of those are the Christ, though they've claimed to be. None of them has been resur- have been resurrected. None of them have conquered death except Jesus Christ, my son. That seal, Jesus, of all those people out there, different. By the way, he was witnessed by over 500 people at one time. He walked on earth over 40 days after the, after the crucifixion and resurrection. It's a well-established fact. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. There's that substitutionary death of Christ. 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, whose stripes we are healed. In other words, by his death I have life. He paid in full my sin debt to God the Father so that now he offers it to me as a free gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That doesn't do me any good if I don't access it. That whosoever believeth in him, that's the access part of the verse. In other words, whosoever believeth in him, that's how I access his sacrifice, how I access his blood's a payment for my sin is through faith, through belief. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful that God has made it where a little five-year-old can understand that and can place his little five-year-old faith in Christ and yet a 95-year-old can understand that and place their 95-year-old faith in Christ? I like the old boy who said, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Wages of sin is death, the Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So God the Father loves you, and because of that love, he gave his son. His son was given in an absolute payment for your sin and for mine. We access that payment as a gift through just simply believing that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. He was the one. He did die for my sin. And the Bible says, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So it's just a matter, I told people, I've told people hundreds and hundreds of times through the years, if I bought this pen for you, and it was a solid gold pen, Brother Adam, a solid gold pen, you know, gold's up now. 
don't keep it long, it'll probably go down. But nevertheless, I bought this solid gold pen for you, Adam. I want to give this to you. I paid for it. I paid $1,750 for this pen. And I want to give it to Adam. And I say, Adam, I want to give you this. What you got to do to have it? You don't have it. What you got to do to get this, Adam? What you, you still don't have it. Now you got it. Give that back to me. But uh, <laughs> you see, you see the misunderstanding we had right there. It, that was not pre-rehearsed. You see the misunderstanding? I've told people, Jesus, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed with him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Would you like to trust Christ, your personal Savior? And they did what you did. They said, yes, I think it's a good thing. I'll do that. But they didn't do it. I'll say, would you like to trust Christ, your personal Savior? Well, I'll go to church. But they didn't do it. Bible doesn't say go to church and get saved. Bible doesn't say get baptized and get saved. Bible doesn't say take communion and get saved. It says believe. Believe. Place your faith on what's already been done, Jesus Christ. To do that, you had to get up off the chair and you had to walk your way up here. And there's a little bit of effort that we make when we go to God and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner unable to save myself by any amount of good works. Please save me. Some people, when they trust Christ as their Savior, they cry. Some people don't cry. Some people do it with a stoic sense about them, but it's a real faith. Only God knows what's in our hearts. But if you'll go to God with a seriousness, I mean a seriousness, and say, Lord, I believe that you as my Father, as God of all that is, have given your only begotten Son, and that is Jesus Christ. And he died on that cross, and he really was buried, and he rose again the third day. And you've purchased my salvation by that death, burial, and resurrection. And by the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. All those sacrifices of the Old Testament foreshadowed that lamb that would eventually come. And when John the Baptist looked down the shore of the Jordan River and he saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. John the Baptist was a good Jew. He understood the law. He understood the sacrifice of those lambs would not take away sin. The blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. But the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was indeed the one that could take away sin. And he, by the way, John the Baptist then baptized Jesus. He said, he, he is so, I am not worthy to bow, bow down to Lucy's shoe. God's love can be accessed through belief. And why is it accessed? Look at the last part of John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believeth in him, and here's the last part, the result is, should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, this is the best. You see what? This is good news. This is the best part of the good news. This is the good news. It's great news. This is fabulous news. You say, Brother Bill, do I have to be a Baptist to get saved? No. Brother Bill, do I have to believe a creed to get saved? No. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again the third day? Do you believe it with all your heart? It says it like this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. You believe who he is who he said he was. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Any Bible you want to look it up in. Thou shalt be saved. You know what? 
I'm putting my weight of faith, whatever little weight that is, on the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I do not want to perish. You say, Brother Bill, the thing, people think they're going to perish. If you'll just look at archaeology just a little bit, all over Peru there's thousands of pyramids in the jungle, Some yet way, many of them undiscovered. The pyramids of Egypt, what was that about? Eternal life. The Peruvian pyramids, about eternal life. The Aztec pyramids, it was about eternal life. The, uh, the Mayan pyramids, about eternal life. Everything that men has done, they've left relics in the, in the stone that we are trying to figure out how to make peace with God. Everybody inherently knows they need to make peace with God. They just don't know how. What I told you this morning is the gospel. It's the how. It's the how. God let you hear it because he loves you. He loves you. And he wants you to be saved. I would take much time and I would put a lot of my mind and meditation on the gospel. If you're unfamiliar with the gospel, if you've not heard the gospel before, it deserves your research. It deserves your concentration. It deserves your meditation that you look at it. My suggestion would read, you would read John chapter 3, where this is found. John chapter 3, verse 16. 360. How many have been playing? Wait a minute, let me just stop here. How many have watched a basketball game or a football game, and when they kick a field goal, there's some wild, crazy Baptist with a little sign, John 3.16. How many have seen that? Raise your hand. You see that? Look at that. Look at that. How many have seen that? It's amazing. It's amazing. Do you realize that guy had to buy crummy tickets? Who wants to sit behind the goal? I mean, I've thought about it. Who wants to sit behind a goal all game long so the guy can miss a field goal at the last minute and you can watch a TV scan over there and you go, John 316, I admire those guys who do that. I admire that they care that people, because that's the secret of getting saved is that you get familiar with John 316. Take the book, get a book, find out what John 316, I'll tell this story and I'll quit. That's also more good news. I was going in to get something welded on. Now, welders are kind of notorious. To be a welder, you got to be rough and tough. You know, they always got burn marks on their arms. You know, they're, they're too tough to wear any of that shield. You know, they got, these, they got these little glasses and that ultraviolet light. They got skin cancer all over their face. And they got the ultraviolet. And, and they're, just, they're just welders. I remember taking a, something in to get welded at this weld shop. And welding shops are dirty. They got that dust all over the floor, and I'm kind of Mr. Clean, you know. That bothers me. So I go in there with my shirt. I had had this t-shirt for years that said John 316. That's all it said, John 3, colon mark, 16, 316. And so I walk in there with this thing, and this, this man walks up to me. He is a monster of a man. He must be six foot six, but he's not six foot six skinny. He's six foot six, solid as a rock. I mean like this. I mean his shoulders must have been that wide. He's like this. 
He had an old T-shirt with burn marks in it from welding. You know, that's also a mark of a welder. They got a lot of burn holes in their stuff. And he comes up to me and he goes, what is that? I thought, I'm just here to get something done. He, I'm serious. I'm not exaggerating. He said, what is that? I go, what? He said, that on your shirt. He said, I see that in football games. He said, what is that? I said, oh, oh, I'm glad you asked that. That's the best news you're ever going to hear coming up across a man's lips and into your ears. And I got to give the old boy the gospels. He sat there and let me give him a little, little uh, kind of a quick gospel presentation of Jesus Christ. I quoted a verse for him, and I said, this is God's love gift for you in his son Jesus Christ because there's no other way for you to be saved except through his son dying and being buried and God sealed it by the resurrection. And if you'll believe with all your heart, you can be saved and have all your sins forgiven. He says, wow. He didn't get saved that day. But God had him hear the gospel. Now you've heard the gospel. What will you do with the gospel? It can't be forced on you. You can't be intimidated in it. It's got to be from your heart. And nobody's going to intimidate you, and nobody's going to force you to do it. It's got to be from inside out. Will you trust Christ as your Savior? We're here to help you do that. Guess what our name is, Gospel Baptist Church. We're here to just help you to find the gospel, to accept Christ, and to live for him, whatever life you got left. Because in someday, you're going to die. And Jesus is not. Your name is going to get in a book called the Lamb's Book of Life, and you'll never perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you shall never die. I like this question. He said, believest thou this? I like that. He said, if you believe in me, you'll never die. Now, you know people have died physically. Everybody knows people die physically. He couldn't be meaning physical death. He was talking about a bigger thing, eternal separation from God in a place called hell. He was talking about something bigger than just being separated from your body. He was talking about being separated from God Almighty. Nobody wants to be separated from God. But you know what? No sin is ever going to be allowed to go to heaven. No sin. You must deal with your sin but while you're here, while you're alive, while you're not. Now's your chance. The door's open. You can be saved now. Ask Jesus to save us. That's simple. You're not be joining Gospel Baptist. You're not be joining anything except the family of Father, we pray this morning the Holy Spirit would take these uh, words, do better than I have done, and explain them. And Father, would you save folks? I know the Bible says not God's will that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. We pray if there be somebody in this room with knows not Jesus, we just sing a couple verses just as I am briefly at the end. May they come, may they make it known to us. Even maybe afterwards, the invitation is never done. It's really open all the time. Father, then as we leave from here and go to dedicate, real briefly, dedicate that building, we give it to you. Every dime, every dollar, everything that was given, we give it to you. Most of us in 50 years in this room will be gone. By your grace, that building will be there to serve you, to be to serve, do a service for you. We pray it be so. We pray, God, that you'd move today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.